Tonight, we are talking about the fourth value in our vision statement where we talk about giving people the best life possible by connecting them to God and to his family and equipping them to be involved with what he's doing in this world. And the very last step in this process is us going out there and going after those who are not in the family. Last week, we talked about equipping those that are in the body. The week before that, we said we need to get connected to the family of God. The first week was that we actually are a church that believes that anyone comes through our doors or comes to any activity we have, our job is to connect that person to God. But we cannot forget Jesus' last words on planet Earth as he was going back to heaven to prepare the place for us. And he said, make sure you guys, my followers, that's great that everything I've given you, now go out there into the rest of the world and bring everybody else in. I want you to expand my family. Amen? Do you guys really understand that that has to be part of your life? That has to be part of your life's mission. It's not enough just to sit there and get fed. But we're supposed to be bringing in all of those other people that are lost in the darkness. I mean, think about this. We all have friends. We have family members. We have people we work with in our offices, people we hang out with all the time. And, oh, they came over to my house for dinner and family reunion. And how many of those people are going to go to hell for all of eternity? That's kind of heavy. That's kind of crazy to say. But that's the absolute reality. And that's why God is going, I love those people. I died for those people. Someone please help me convince them that I got something good for them. Let's bring them into the family. And he's asking for us for help. And this is what we're going to be talking about tonight is how we expand the family, how we get empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out there and win the whole wide world to Jesus Christ. I want to show you guys a video clip real quick to start the sermon off. Um, the past few weeks we've been showing video clips of people that have been in our church talking about the different values that we hold here at church. This one is someone that's not in our church but is actually a result of the topic we're talking about is someone went out and shared Jesus with them, and we made the connection because we went outside of ourselves and our comfort zone to touch base with other people to give them Jesus. And you're going to hear a really neat testimony by someone from Japan who I only recently met who's basically caught the spark and the vision, God's vision, our vision here at Hope Chapel, to go out there and to bring other Christians, to make other Christians and bring them into the body of Christ. So just take a look at this video, and you're going to have to read because... He's speaking in Japanese, and we did everything with subtitles. So get your glasses on, pay attention, and listen to this real quick. Oh, my name is Matsuzo Inoue. Tobongoしますのは、私は小学生、エレメントルスクール小さい頃から、まあしかしながら特に思春期、高校時代から。え、その教えに、え、担当金、端的に申せば、え、教えていることと、幹部の皆さん、そういったことで本当にこれでいいのかなというふうに思う。え、その後、本間物を求めて、あらゆる研修会、勉強会に参加しました。中には統一教会という、
、えー、グレースホームの種をまいて若い同志若い親しくお付き合いをさせていただいて本当に学ばせていただきたいともども神様の教えを世界に広めていきたい命がけでやっていくそういう決心をしております。Sorry, I'm not on. The amazing thing about this man that I just met, he recently came over a couple months ago with 41 or 42 members of a church that、um, had b e g a n following my dad in our ministry at Hope Chapel years and years ago. And we met them in seminars we've been doing in Japan. And this whole church got so excited to say, We have tried to become like you guys, which are following the book of Acts, the early church, and just about loving God and loving people and our vision and values. And they said, We want to take a trip over there. So they ended up bringing 42 members of their church and coming over here and learning from us. And Mr. Inoue was one of them. And basically, his story is that he had been a Christian for five years, but he said, he, through translator, he told me he hadn't really been living as a Christian for like four of those years. Recently, in seeing all that we do with Hope Chapel and our heart for reaching out around the world, That it's not just about us building a nice big church, but we're here to bring in the rest of the family that's pre family, right? They're lost out there, and we want to expand the family and bring them in. And he, he got so moved by that. And then a couple weeks ago, he had an experience with the Holy Spirit that really shook him, and he really understood I got to give it all to the purpose of growing the kingdom of God, of expanding the family. Now, this guy is a very wealthy businessman, and so how he did it, because we all have different gifts and abilities, but his heart is for bringing people into the family of God. He did it by finding this organization, this ministry in Japan that reaches out to all of these other countries around Asia and different countries around the world Burma, Myanmar, Korea, all these different places. And he goes, Here's how I can help bring people to Jesus. I'm going to help fund them. So check this out. He drops $50 million to support these people, all with the, the pure, pure intention of making more Christians and doing what we're talking about today is empowering people to win the whole wide world to bring them into the family of God. $50 million, guys. I was like, whoa, right? But wait, it doesn't end there. Then he begins to tell me through translation that he, he, that's the, the, the heart of him and that he doesn't need property. He doesn't care about every, all his wealth, his money, his body, everything is for God and for more people to know Jesus Christ. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, and I love Hope Chapel. That's what you guys are all about. And I was like, wow, thank you. you know? And he got inspired by us. And so now he was in Tokyo, and there's another church in Tokyo that has like a soccer ministry. Through an ex Argentinian, whatever, Argentine, I don't know what you say, but someone from Argentina、um, is a soccer ex you know, pro, and they have an outreach and they're getting all these kids, and basically they're very evangelistic. Again, the value today, expand God's family. And he goes, I like what you guys are doing. Check $10 million, right? To this ministry. And I'm just going, this guy must have some money, some serious money here. But he's telling me his story, and he's just saying, You know what? My heart is the same heart of you guys. I love Hope Chapel that you're here teaching people to bring everybody else in because that is the heart of God. And he goes, Oh, and by the way, I want to give towards your building fund and your everything. And I'm just like going, Oh boy. You know, I'm like getting excited because we're building buildings, but we're not building buildings so that we can just be a cool church here. It's so that we can do better a job of running ministry, equipping people, connecting them to God and his family. So that we can branch out and bring everybody in, right? We're not here just because buildings are cool. We're here because we need better buildings because ours are falling apart. Our tents are leaking, our trailers are getting black mold, and all of that stuff. We need real buildings. But here's this guy that's even saying, I want to invest in what you are doing. And here's the honest to goodness truth I don't care if this man only donates $1. I'm humbled and blessed that someone sees in our church the fact that we have a heart to bring the nations in to the family of God. Amen? So I don't really care if he gives. 50 cents, or if he gives whatever, I'm just blessed that, wow, you saw that in us? That's, that's right. That's what we need to be all about. We need to be, be about expanding the, the family. Why? Well, here it is Matthew 28 18. Jesus' final words to us say, <clears throat> Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, of all peoples. See, God's main command for us, the main topic of what we're talking about, is God says that I want everybody to know me. I love everybody. I died for everybody, but it's up to them to accept what I've done for them. And the way that they're going to be convinced to accept all that God is and what He has for them is through myself and through every single one of you. 
that we are not just signing up for, oh, Christianity is good, God blesses me. God's going, it doesn't end there. You are required to go out there and tell everybody else because I want to grow my family. Look at this, 2 Peter 3, 9. This is how much God cares for, for the family. He says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise to come back and to, to, to redeem us and to be our God. He says, as some people think, no, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. You got to understand, guys, the heart of God is for everyone on planet Earth to know him and to be in his family. Not for just good people, not for people who decide, whatever. He basically died on the cross and made it available for every single one of our friends and family to know Jesus Christ. But now he leaves it up to us to go out there and to do something about it. It says in that, in that verse in Matthew 28, 18, and 19, go and make disciples. First of all, we got to understand this. Jesus commissioned us to go. He has all authority in heaven and on earth, and he goes, in my authority, I am commanding you to do something. So it's like, you're taking orders, you're commanded to, you're commissioned to do something. But secondly, other than being commissioned, you're commanded. Do you guys realize he didn't suggest to us to like, hey, if you feel like it and there's people that are nice to you, why don't you go ahead and allow them into church as well, right? It's not a suggestion. It's not an option for us. He literally commands us by that one two-letter word in verse 19. What does it say? It starts with a G, ends with an O. It's a hint. There you go. You guys got it. Give yourselves a hand. That was good. That was good guessing there. <laughs> He's commanding us to go. He is not saying, hey, you guys know me, and if you feel like it, go. No, none of that. He's giving us a direct command, commissioning us on the power that he has over everything. And he goes, Carl, you want to live life as a Christian? Yeah, here's what you must do. I'm not saying that you might do it, but when you get to heaven, Carl, what are you gonna, what's your life going to stand for? How many people did you bring with you to heaven? That's all Jesus is going to care about. Oh, what did you do? What did you do for me? How many else did you bring with you here? Because that's the only thing you can bring with you to heaven other people. So he's literally commanding us to do this, expand the family. But a lot of times, a lot of us Christians, we get lazy and we feel good enough about our walk with God. And I, I know this is me sometimes. This is my thought process. It's like, God, I don't, I love my mini church. I don't have room for anyone new, right? Is that stepping on anybody's toes in here, right? We, we don't want new people, God. Like, we're, we're happy how we are. We don't want to have to grow and multiply, God, my church is good, and that guy's really bad. I don't want to invite him into my church. He might ruin it, right? We get this, or like, ooh, I don't want those kind of people, you know? Well, here's the deal. God says, I want everybody in there. Everybody needs me. Everybody should have and could have what you have. But will you go out there and do something about it? Let me tell you guys a story real quick. We've been reading this book as a leadership team called Crossing Over, and it's a real interesting book in leadership. Um, there's about 200 people in this church that are considered leaders and they're reading this book with us together. And, and that book kind of brings about this story in Genesis 38. And it's a story of this man named Judah. You guys have heard of Judah before, one of the 12 tribes, father of one of the 12 tribes. Well, Judah was a, a, a man of God. He was Jacob's son. He was in the Old Testament. In Genesis 38, you can go back, just make a note of that. Go read that story tonight. It's a short story just in that chapter about Judah. And there's a story about Judah was this guy, and he had three sons, Okay. He had three kids, and the first kid he had, his name was Ur, E-R, real simple, easy name. And this guy, Ur, married this girl, this woman named Tamar. So here's Judah's kids, Ur and Tamar, married together, right? Got it so far? Hanging in there? Okay, so now Ur was an evil man, so God just directly struck him dead. We don't know what he did, but the Bible says Ur was evil, God didn't like it, you're dead. Bum, bummer to be Ur, your history, God wiped you out, right? So Tamar now is left as a widow, and she's going, well, who's going to carry on the family name? Even though Ur's dead, it's a big deal in biblical times to carry on the family lineage and to promote the growth of that family, Ur's heirs, right? Does that make sense? Okay, so here's Tamar now, and she is uh, unmarried and known to carry on the family line. Well, the, the other two younger brothers of Ur was this guy Onan, and I believe the younger one was named Shelah. So Onan now, this is the biblical responsibility, the cultural responsibility, the law of the time. The second brother must marry the first brother's wife so that they can keep the family line going in the first brother's name. Does that make sense? So second brother's going, well, it's not about me marrying someone. I have an obligation by law to marry Tamar, his wife, the widow, so that Ur will have heirs in the family name because that was a really big deal. So Onan marries Tamar. And here's the deal. 
every time that he would sleep with her because he had to produce children, right? He would sleep with her, but because of whatever selfish reasons or whatever reasons of like, I don't want to give heirs. I don't want my kids to be not my kids, and they're going to be heirs to my brother Ur that's not even here. So he decided, when I sleep with her, I'm going to do what it takes to, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be tactful here, to impregnate my wife. You can read it. It's more graphic in Scripture than I'm talking about right now. But every time he lay with her, he decided to not follow through all the way with the act and would turn away and not allow her to be impregnated. Does that make sense? You can read between the lines right there. Try not to get too nuts in church right now. But so he would decide, no, you know what? I don't want to promote new growth. I don't want to expand your family. It's not going to be mine. So I don't believe in that growth, that multiplication. I don't want to do that. So I'll sleep with you. Oh, but I'm, I'm done when the time comes. I'm not going to allow that thing to happen. So because of that, check this out, because this was God's law, God was bummed. God was going, you're preventing new growth from happening. So guess what, Onan, you're going to follow your brother. Boom, dead, right? So now two brothers wiped out. Now Tamar is doubly bummed because she's like, I tried with the two of them and still no kids. And, and what, who's going to carry on the family name? And so as the younger brother, uh, the third brother, grew up, uh, Judah, the dad, was saying, I don't want him to die too, so I'm not going to offer him to Tamar. So he kind of disobeyed the rule. He's supposed to offer that brother to the, the wife so they can carry on the family line. You guys following with me, tracking with me so far? Good, good. Okay, so Tamar now, she understands that multiplication and family growth is ordained by God, and someone has to carry on the family line, and I'm going to do, here's her saying, I'm going to do whatever it takes to carry on the family line and to bring about expansion of the family and multiplication. So you know what she does? She gets in disguise. She hangs out. This is a few years later. Judah, the father-in-law, her uh, father-in-law, his wife had died. Judah's hanging out in town. She sees him coming. She gets in in disguise, gets all dressed up, covers her faith, face, and she dresses up like a prostitute. Now, God didn't judge her for dressing up like a prostitute. Today, we'd be like, how dare you? She dresses up like a prostitute so that she can have sex with the father-in-law so that somehow, some way, the family lineage will continue. Now, we would go, that is dirty, that's crazy. But God, back in that day, in that culture, didn't judge her. He actually said, that was a good thing. Because here's what I want you to see. Two main people in the scripture, and here's the story. The guy Onan had the chance to bring in new life, new growth, and expand the family. But because whatever reasons he had, he said, nope, I'm not going to allow it to happen. And what happened? God struck him dead. Now you look at Tamar and you're like, she was willing to do whatever it took so that that new life and that new growth could happen. And Judah, when he found out he was tricked, he got mad, but then he goes, you know, you know what? I have to do this. This is the right thing. She is actually right. I, did, I shouldn't have withheld my third son from her. She actually did what was right to bring about the new growth and the lineage. And because of, of her sleeping with the father-in-law, she actually had two twins. And this is where it gets kind of neat. The two twins, their names were Perez and let me make sure, Perez and Zerah. And you know what their names mean? Perez means to break out, breaking out. And Zerah means brightness, shining bright. And here's what I want you to understand. Onan's disobedience to promote new life and new growth got him killed. But Tamar, that attitude that says, whatever it takes, I want to see the family grow and the family expand. She had now two little twins that were running around that grew up to bring about the brightness and to bring about the breaking out of new things and new life and new growth. And here's what I believe. When Jesus in the Great Commission is telling us, go into all the world and expand my family, we have a choice to say, nah, I like my family huddle, my holy huddle over here. I'm gonna keep it right here. This is where it's comfortable. Why do more people have to know about Jesus? That makes me uncomfortable to have to go out there and get out of my comfort zone and share Jesus with people. I don't wanna do that. See, we have the choice to be like Onan or we have the choice to be like Tamar and say, Whatever it takes, God, I'm going to go talk to people, and I'm going to bring about new growth, and I want to see a lot more people that are shining brightly and breaking out in this church with new life for Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So there's a really strong lesson in there that says, who are you going to be like? Are you going to promote new growth? Are you going to go into the world, or are you going to sit back and be selfish? And it's, it's hard words. When you read the story, you're like, wow, that's heavy. I want to read you guys a, a quote from a book really quick that talks about... Um, if we're to really be Christians, then we have to have a heart for the lost. We have to have a heart for those that are not in church. We can't come to church and go, this is really neat and this is nice. Instead of 
thinking like, wow, look, our church is growing. Look how many people are here. We should have our eyes focused on, look at how many people in my neighborhood are not here. Look at how many people are not in a relationship with Jesus and the family of God. And I got to focus on that because that, that shit tells me I got a big job to do. Amen? We got to focus on the lost. And here's what God says about loving the lost in this book. I love this book. This is really neat. It says, love will make you do crazy things. Who do you love? Do you love people who don't know Christ? Bottom line, do you have love for the lost? He says, because the people that have it together, they do, and they do deeply. But honestly, many so-called Christians don't. You have to look far to find churches, or he goes, you don't have to look far to find churches full of people who are insulating themselves from the world, hunkering down, avoiding PG-13 movies and secular music. These inward-looking religious types keep their distance from anyone who drinks beer, cusses after a bad golf swing, smokes anything, has a tattoo, or wears designer jeans with holes in them. <laughs> Funny, huh? They avoid homosexuals. They criticize rock stars. They stare disapprovingly at purple hair and mohawks. And they're afraid of MTV. <laughs> Too many believers are avoiding that kind of person. And they've forgotten that Jesus came for that kind of person. Amen, right? Isn't that a good little quote to put us in check a little bit? Because I'll be honest, there's people that make me feel uncomfortable, and there's people that I would look at, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to invite that guy to church. Oh, what if they're, like, irritating, or what if they're this, or what if they're that? And that's so wrong. Anytime I think that, I got to remember this quote. I got to think of the Great Commission. I got to think of Onan, and I want to be like Tamar. Whatever it takes, God, whoever you want to bring to that church, because I was a whoever at one point in my life, right? I was a that kind of a person, weren't we all, right? And yet someone believed in us enough to pray for us, to talk to us, to get us into a relationship with Jesus. And that's what it's talking about here today. That's the main point of our servant. We want to be a church that has love for the lost. Amen? And so the first step that we have to take is we need to be empowered to have the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to be empowered to go out there and bring in the lost. You can't do it on your own. Look at these verses right here. Jesus himself was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Acts 10, 38. It says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then, don't, don't overlook that little word then that says right there. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. Then, after that happened, Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Did you catch that? That Jesus himself needed to be empowered by the Holy Spirit so he can go out and do the rest of the things and reach the rest of the world. Look at John 3, 34. It says, talking about Jesus, it says, For he sent by God, he speaks God's words. For God gives him the Spirit without limit. He speaks for God's words. He does this stuff for God because he has the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus even tells us, it is necessary for us before we go out there and try to win the world, we must be empowered. That's why we have this value that says empowered to win the world, not just win the world. Because Jesus told us you need to be fired up and powered up before you go out there and try to win the world. He says this in Acts 1, 4 to 5. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Here's the point I'm trying to make right here is don't try to expand the family without powering up on the Holy Spirit. Don't try to go out there and witness. It's good. You're passionate. And a lot of people, you know, new believers, you get excited. And you're like, I want to tell everybody. But God's going, yeah, passion is good. But you know what you need? You need passion with power, right? It's good that you can walk out there and, and do that. But what if you start coming up against a an argument or a tough thing, and you're going, I don't know what to say. I don't, oh, I give up. I'm, oh, I'm feeling weak. You know who gives you boldness? You know who gives you words of wisdom? You know who gives you the knowledge to overcome that scared and shy feeling? The Holy Spirit. And here's Jesus saying, don't even leave Jerusalem and get out there into the world until the Holy Spirit comes. You need to be fully equipped. When I was 15 years old, this is back in the day, we used to be able to get our driver's license at 15. Do you guys remember that? And you didn't have to go to driver's ed. You didn't have to do anything. You get your permit at 15 years old. And that very day, you can apply for your driver's license. You can go take the test. Anybody remember that? That's how it was back in the day. Some of you guys are a little older. Maybe it was like nine years old you were driving back then. But <laughs> for me, at least, I'm just kidding. 
For me, at least, when I was 15, you're 10, yeah? When I was 15 years old, I got my permit, and I was all excited. I studied up. I got, I passed. Yay, awesome. And my dad's going, well, when, when can you get your license? I'm like, I guess any time after. That's what they say. He goes, oh, go try right now. I was like, oh, really? Yeah, might as well, yeah? Oh, I could probably do it. I mean, I, I know the written stuff really well. I know the rules of the road. Never driven before, right? Just because you can't drive unless you have your permit, right? So just like a couple times around the block with my dad, I'm like, I got this. I know all the rules right here. Look, I just passed the test. So I went out, and I jumped in the car with the guy, and I went to take it all around Kanyoi Police Station. You remember back in the day, we had a DMV there, and we were driving all around, and of course, I failed miserably. I failed. I mean, I was putting the guy's life in jeopardy. I was so bad. It was really bad, right? You go, oh, parallel park on the curb on a hill. I'm like, oh, no, right? And I'm like in the guy's yard and back on the street, you know, like super bad, right? I totally failed. And then they go, well, you can try again in two weeks. And so I go, two weeks? Sure, that's plenty of time, right? That'll give me enough experience. Two weeks came, I failed it again, right? But third time, it was after a couple months, months had gone by, I'd been driving a lot. I'd been studying all the rules. I've been watching. I've been getting instructions from my dad, experience behind the wheel, all this stuff. And when I went the third time, winner, I, I nailed that thing, right? Zero, nothing wrong. And the guy's like, wow, you're really good. I, I didn't want to tell him, oh, yeah, it's my third time. Why, you don't recognize me? But uh, I passed it, no problem. But you know the reason that I passed the third time, no problem? It's because I had experience. I had all of this advice. I had experience behind the wheel, daytime, nighttime. I heard from, I rode with licensed drivers who were telling me, oh, you should slow down here, watch out for this, make sure you blink, blinkers on, blah, 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 blah. I needed all of that before I could get my license. And here's Jesus telling us, the church, don't just try to go out there and witness on your own. Don't try to win the whole world. You might do okay, but you're probably not going to do that good. You know why? You need to be fully equipped. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit in your life to equip you with the wisdom, the knowledge, the boldness, all of the tools that are necessary that Jesus himself needed. Don't miss that because Jesus himself needed the Holy Spirit. If Jesus didn't go try to do it on his own, how much more should we not try to do it on our own? He goes, go out there. You need to be fully equipped. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, the city that they were in, throughout Judea and Samaria, which were the surrounding areas, and all the way to the ends of the earth. But the Holy Spirit is the source of power for us to expand the family. If we're going to win the world, we don't do it on our own. The Holy Spirit has to be the source. Think about a flashlight. You want to dispel darkness? Nothing beats a good old-fashioned flashlight to shine in there and, and put away the darkness, and you can see where you're going, right? But the flashlight in itself is just a tool. It's just a vessel. If you don't put batteries in that flashlight, that flashlight is going to be sitting there in the dark like everything else in the dark, right? And it's until you get that source of power, the Holy Spirit is our source of power. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. We need to, to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because if I go out there and I try to, in my own strength and flesh, and wisdom, limited wisdom, try to argue and talk to someone and, and convince them of who Jesus is and that they should join the family, I'm not going to get very far. But when sometimes with few words I come in and meet a non-Christian and say, oh, you're going through a rough time? Oh, what? You got, you got hurt? Can I just pray for you? Boom, here comes the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray that God would do something that would change your idea of him and would bless your life. And then no wisdom on my part. All I did was ask for the power to come through me into this person, right? I walk away. A week later, I come back to the guy, hey, how's everything? Well, you're never going to believe it. The next day, I was totally healed. I was like, oh, you know what that was? That was God working in your life. God answers prayer. Suddenly, that guy's got something to think about there. Like, whoa, I didn't have to argue with him. I didn't have to give my human wisdom and understanding. I just let the power of the Holy Spirit work in that guy's life. Nothing beats a good old-fashioned miracle. Amen? Amen? To convince someone that is not a believer to become a believer. And so we need to understand that the miracles only happen when we power up. It's not about us, that we have to get tapped into that Holy Spirit's power. Ephesians 5.18, Scripture tells us, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you know that that word, being filled with the Holy Spirit, it isn't like a one-time word. It's actually a present tense verb that says, continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Scripture isn't telling us, oh, one time, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you up. It's saying, Every single day, you should be going, 
Holy Spirit, empower me. God, I need to move in your power. Let me read your word. Let me be in worship. Let me make sure I'm full of you every single day so that I can overflow into the lives of people around me. Amen? Because when the Holy Spirit gives you power, he doesn't just fill you up enough. He gives you so much if you stay being filled that you're under that fountain and you're just continually overflowing into other people's lives around you. But we have to keep on being filled. We have to stay underneath that fountain. I actually got a, a, a perfect photo that always makes sense to me. Can we show that photo of the, of the uh, glasses real quick? See this? Champagne Tower. You guys ever seen that at weddings and stuff like that? To me, this is the picture of the Holy Spirit. As he is pouring into that very one single glass at the top, that's me. God, I'm going to stay in your presence. I'm going to ask daily, keep pouring into me a fountain. Just keep pouring and pouring and pouring. And then as I'm staying filled, I get so filled up that I can't contain it, and it starts overflowing. And as I witness to people, and as I talk to people and love on people, they get filled with it as well. We need to remember that we're constantly under the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, it produces amazing things, right? You guys ever read Galatians 5 where it talks about the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. I missed something. Self-control. I'm missing one. There's nine. I'm missing one. I got eight. I got, oh, that's it? I'm missing fingers, actually. That's what's going on. I can't count. I got them all. Yay, Carl. But here's the deal. The Holy Spirit, thank you. That's why my wife is here. When the Holy Spirit is in our lives and we are staying filled up, you know what that produces? That produces all those things that describe the, the Christian life. But you know what the Christian life produces? Other Christians. The Holy Spirit produces the Christian life. The Christian life produces other Christians. If you stay full of the Holy Spirit, you will have the power to go out there. And then here's the next part that Jesus commanded is, is to be empowered. But he said, go out there and make disciples, right? He says, um, therefore, go and make disciples in Matthew 28, 19 of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. See, we got to understand that it's about making disciples. The reason that we're empowered by the Holy Spirit is so that we can make disciples, not make converts, not say, well, I invited that guy to church and my job is done. But what Jesus wants us to do is to make learners and followers of Jesus Christ that we would continue to walk with them in their lives and help them get to the point where they're rooted and being equipped like we talked about last week. They're rooted like a redwood, right? That they're in there, that they're growing strong. He says, make disciples, not converts. You make sure that they get in, in there and that they're deep with me, that their roots are growing down in the family. Jesus said, that's our job. We get empowered so that we can make honest to goodness real disciples. That's why we push mini church so much. Because you just come to church, that's like a one time good, I heard something. But when you pull someone into mini church, you're getting them into a life with other believers that are walking together, hand in hand, getting equipped. You're making real disciples. I'll tell you this. People that go to mini church, I would say are disciples. People that come to church on the weekends and only go to service, you're attenders. I mean, is that's one way of looking at it, right? It's like, I attend that church. That's good. Thanks for joining us. But you're really in, and you're growing when you're going next step, and you're going, I'm in the mini church. I'm making sure I'm in my word. I'm making sure that I go to extra events. I'm making sure I'm in the family of God. I'm getting equipped. I'm going to Alpha. I'm doing whatever it takes. I'm in, hardcore. I hope I didn't offend anybody if you just come to church here, but really there's a deeper walk, and that's what Jesus is saying is you need to really make disciples out of people and baptize them. Baptism is significant. It's like an initiation. You may believe in Jesus in your heart and inside you're like, yeah, God, I believe in you. But he's going, why don't you make it a public statement? Why don't you let everybody know unashamed that you follow me? It's kind of an initiation into the club. I'm going under the water just like Jesus, you died, went to the grave for me, and were resurrected. we got to make a big deal about baptism. We need to be having more of them. We need to be celebrating them all the time because that is the thing. In biblical times, you, no one knew you were saved unless you got baptized. Someone would say, I want to believe in Jesus. Immediately, they would baptize you. We need to be more like that. You don't have to wait for classes. You don't have to wait for, well, my heart's not ready. Did you accept Jesus? Yeah, we'll do it, right? It's initiation. It's immediate. All it is is an outward sign of saying what God's doing in your life. Like to me, the, the best way I look at it, marriage license. I loved my wife for years, and, and she knew my love, and I knew my love. But really, people are like, oh, but they could break out. They're only dating. They could break up at any time, right? But the minute you go through with that wedding ceremony and you get married and you have that certificate that says, no, I'm committed to this person for the rest of my life, you just made it official, didn't you? The rest of the world, the law recognizes that you are a married man, Carl, to a beautiful woman 
Kanani Kaulukukui became Kanani Moore because of what you just did. And now everybody knows about it, right? And here's the thing with baptism, why it's important to baptize people. You get baptized and you're telling everybody, I follow Jesus Christ. He is my Lord and Savior, and I'm unashamed, and I'm in, and I'm in the club. Isn't that cool? So he tells us, make a big deal about baptism, and then teach them all the commands that he's given us. That means teach people to focus on Jesus. Don't just invite them to church. We have a really great church, but we have an even greater God, don't we? We have a really great church at Hope Chapel Kanyoi Bay, and I love it, and I love everyone that's a part of it, but I'm not so concerned that they're just a part of our church unless they're totally plugged in with a relationship with their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We got to make sure that as we're building disciples, we're not just going, come to church, but we're saying, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus through the church. That's good. That's a tool, but it's got to be a focus on Jesus Christ. And then he says, this incredible thing is, hey, don't worry about any of the hard stuff in life. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You know how he's with us always? Through the Holy Spirit, back to the empowering thing. Why, why is it through the Holy Spirit? Well, because Jesus left planet Earth and he went back to heaven, didn't he? He said that. In fact, John 16, 7, he says, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, then the advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the encourager, the counselor, he won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. So how is Jesus always with us then if Jesus is in heaven? He's with us through his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the member of the Trinity that we actually know the most intimately. Did you know that? God the Father, Jesus the Son. But the one that we know in an intimate way is we know the other two through the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's an interesting thing. That's how he's with us always till the end of the age. But I believe that as we go out there and we make disciples, it, it takes us understanding who are the people that we reach out to. Because if you're sitting here right now and, and Jesus is going, win the world, you're going, I can't win the world. There's just one of me, and I just live on the windward side of Oahu, and it's just little me, and I, I'm not even going to make a dent in the kingdom of heaven. But here's what we're, what we're supposed to do. Because in Acts 1.8, he told the believers in Jerusalem, he says, start in Jerusalem. Just start in your small town. Start in your city and go after people right there. Then, as you branch out and you get bigger eyes, then go around to the surrounding areas. Start in Kanyoi. And then you know what? Branch over to Kailua, Kahalu, Waimanalo, right? Kaava, and this whole island of Oahu. And then you know what? Go to the state and go to the nations. But he says, start number one in your personal world. That means who is in your immediate sphere of influence? Who are the people that is your best friend that you sit next to in school or you work with in the cubicle or in your very own home who's not a Christian? How many of us live with family members that aren't saved? Is anybody in here, you live with family members that aren't Christians yet? Okay, for some of us, that means that, oh man, there's where I start. I start with mom or dad or sister or brother or whatever. But you start in that immediate, personal, small world, right? And you just, this is how I like to challenge people is each one, reach one. Just start with one and ask yourself, God, who's my one? Who's the one person you want me to start with? Maybe it's the guy at work. Maybe it's the... The, the cousin that you talk to all the time on the phone, who is your one in your personal world? Start in Jerusalem, start where you're at, start in Kanioi or wherever you live, start in your house, start there. But every one of us, if we actually were to do that, we would make a huge difference in this world, right? Don't get intimidated with the whole world, just think my personal world, start there, start where you're at. Always be ready in season and out wherever you're at to plant those seeds whether you're at Zippy's, whether you're at Long's, whether wherever you go, just like be looking for opportunities. How can I talk to someone? How can I pray for someone? Like I said, prayer is one of the best things you can do to bring people into the family of God because it's not about you. You're just asking God to do something, the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he shows up for a miracle, well, people's eyes are open, right? And their ears are ready to, well, what, what happened there? Oh, that was God. Let me tell you more about him, right? Start in your immediate personal world. But then he goes, have a heart for the bigger world around you. Have a heart. You know, we always say in this church, we're a global, local church. That means we have love for those in our local, immediate, small world. But we also want to reach out to the whole wide world. We do mission trips all over the world, right? And we're trying to do more of them. My, my dad is out there traveling. He was in Paris last week speaking to people, trying to sp spread the message of Jesus Christ to the whole world out there, right? We go to Japan. We go to trips all the time. We do all of this stuff. But we're, we're affecting people around the world. Samaritan's Purse, Compassion International. When we, when, we, when we take offerings in this, in this church to start up other ministries and other churches around our state and around our world, we're reaching out to the larger world around us. This is what we do. 
We have a Hawaii food bank thing that we're collecting for in the month of June. Give to that. Reach out to people other than just your immediate world around you. Did you guys know that we hosted how many kids from Sendai last time, Rob? Eight? How many? Was it 18? No, I think it was like 15. I don't know. 15, 18. There was some amount of kids that were affected in Japan by the tsunami and the earthquake. And they came, and you guys housed them in your homes. We took up offerings to help pay for all of their expenses. We blessed these kids. We know for a fact that two of them got saved and baptized, went back to Sendai, to that broken area, helped start a church, and they're so evangelistic, they're bringing friends all the time to church, and they're growing the kingdom of God because of this church that said, we want to reach out and bless people around the world all the way in Japan. Isn't that a good thing? That's our church. I'm proud of you guys for that. I'm, I'm stoked that we do those kind of things. But this is how we reach out. We actually have an opportunity that the church over there in Sendai is actually saying, you know what, can we send 10 more kids? Would that be okay? You guys did such a good job. Can we send 10 more kids? And they're actually sending us 10 more kids July 30th to August 14th for two weeks. And I'm saying this now because I'm looking for more host homestays. I'm hoping that some of you guys that did it before would say, I'll do it again because we want to reach out to people around the world. And maybe if you didn't do it before, that you'd say, I got room in my house. I could host the kid that's lost his, his family's lives in tragedy, lost everything that they have. We're going to be a blessing to reach out all the way to Japan from Kaneohe. So if you guys are interested, there's a different way. But all of it is to say, make disciples. Start in your immediate world, branch outward, have eyes for the rest of the world, and realize that making disciples is a team effort. Did you know that? It's not all up to you to fully get someone saved and walk them through into like the full growth in life. You might just be the one that plants the seed, someone else waters it, someone else helps it grow, but it's a team effort. We do it together. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, 5. It says, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are all only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. We got to understand that it's not just the church's job to bring people into the kingdom of heaven. It's the it's because we look at it backwards. I think our prayer and our heart is, "Oh God, please bring the world to church." And what Jesus is saying is, "No, I want the church to go into the world." And we got to have that mentality that we are the church, not just the pastors and the leaders. We are the church. In fact, we created this little card for you. I don't know if the ushers are gonna. Were you guys prepped on passing that card out tonight? You guys have any idea about that? Nope. No one's. You guys ready? Can you do it? We actually created a card. These guys are awesome. Can we just thank our ushers for just going, stepping up and going for it? Thank you, guys. Uh, we, we created a little card that's simply a tool that we want you to carry with you to help make it easier for you to bring someone into the family of God, to expand the family. And all it is is a little card that basically says, here's Hope Chapel. Here's our website. Here's all of our service times. Here's a map. And here's how it makes it easy to get to. It has a picture of me that I hate that they put on it, but we're on there anyway, my wife and I. And um, it's a tool for you to use. And what we'd like to do is if you guys could just pass the baskets down the rows, and we're asking you, the church, to grab as many of these as you want so that you can go out there and use this as a tool to invite people to church to expand the family. If you want to grab one, that's fine. If you want to grab 80, that's cool too. But take these simply as a tool to say, I'm going to keep this with me in my car, my wallet, my purse, and when I get an opportunity to expand the kingdom and invite someone to church, here's all the information that they need to, to know to make it easy. So we're going to pass this right now, and I ask you guys would, would take some of those. But it's just one way of us trying to reach out to the world. Because here's what I want you guys to know. This little card will empower you and excite you a little bit to get out of the comfort zone and really invite someone to church, and it might spark up a conversation. How do I know? We put it to the test last night. I went to a ramen shop last night with about... 25 other people from Friday night service. We don't, we're not allowed to do the full cooked food anymore in the courtyard, so it gives us, the church, who are hungry after service, an opportunity to get out there into our world and to love on people. So we went to a noodle shop last night. 25 people, our kids running around going crazy, 9.30 at night, they close at 10, and they're probably looking at us all walking in going, oh no, what is happening here, right? But we get in there, and I'm encouraging the church, hey, let's go out there and get in the community. Let's stop hiding away up at church. 
So we got in the community, and everybody had their cards out and ready. These cards right here. I'm like, no, you don't got to give them 10 of them. Just like a couple of them is okay, right? So we go, and we eat. We cause havoc, and our kids are running around, and we do all this. And a couple of the guys are just going, we're going to be generous. So two guys, different people, picked up the tab for 30 people. And they're like, no, that's our way of blessing. You've been telling us to be generous, Carl. Accept the blessing. I was like, no, that's too much. You're too much. I got a family of five, and you treated all of them. They're like, hey, accept the blessing. You told us you have to accept. <laughs> okay, fine, whatever, you know. So because of that then, check this out. The girl that we're talking to and we're just shining the love of Jesus, they know that we're from church. Everybody's dropping those cards, right? And they're, what is that? Oh, we're from a church. I got the chance. Hey, come to my church. Oh, and here's a tip. Huge tip, right? Every one of those families, a couple people picked up the whole bill, but all the rest of them took to heart what I've been saying. Let's bless our community. Let's reach this world and show them the love of Jesus Christ. People gave all of these tips, and I'm like, you know what? Your tips is almost as much as the bill was. That girl's going to be just overwhelmed. And they're all, yeah, for the glory of God, come to Hope Chapel. And, and that literally about 10 of those cards went out all over across the table and everything. And I just thought, how good is that, that we are beginning to have a real honest-to-goodness heart and here's a little tool that's going to help you say, hey, come to my church. Hey, get involved in what Jesus is doing. We want to expand the family. No matter who you are, what you look like, what you smell like, you are worthy to come to our church and be a part of God's family. Amen? So that's why this is such a major value to me is I don't want to be like Onan. I don't want to be selfish with expanding new growth for the kingdom. I want to be the Tamar that says I'm doing whatever it takes to get people into the family of God and to bring them to church. Is that a good word today? Yes. Look at the challenge in your notes, because I did give you a little bit of a challenge right there. Number one, I would think, would be try to give away that card to a non-Christian this week. But the other challenges I have is pray for a pre-Christian this week. That doesn't mean pray from afar in your own personal quiet time. I mean, go find someone that has a need, and you would right there, wherever you're at, on the phone, in the mall, in longs, whatever, hey, can I pray for you? And then let the Holy Spirit have the power to do something and plant the seed in their heart. And extra credit I put in there, invite someone to church or to mini church. So there's the challenge for the week. Are you guys stoked on this commission that God is giving us? Good. Well, let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes, and let's pray right now. Father God, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for giving us vision. We thank you for that. sometimes the fact that the vision is convicting. Lord, and we get too comfortable and we get too too happy with where we're at and we get like selfish and we don't want to bring other people around to church or mini church. We want to, but we don't really do it. And God, I'm praying right now that that would change, Lord, that you would convict us through good intentions, through good motives to, to have such a love for the lost that you have for us. Because Lord, at one time, every one of us in this room was lost and had no relationship with you. But Lord, because of your love and because of your people that had concern for the lost, they brought us in, and now we have all that we have, and we thank you for it. But, Lord, help us to be messengers of your love, of your light, of your truth in this world. I pray, Father God, that every one of us would get uncomfortable in one way or another this week and have an interaction with someone that's not a Christian, Lord, and we would open our mouths, and we'd actually do something about that. We'd invite them to church. We would pray for them. We would give them our testimony. We'd just, just give glory to who you are and the miracles you've done in our lives, Lord, one way or another. We would expand God's family this week, Lord, and not just this week because it's a challenge, but every single week, Lord, that we would begin to pray to be filled up with the power of your Holy Spirit so that we could be incredible witnesses out there and we could bring people into your family, Father. That's what we want to do. That's what we're created for. Help us to do that. Empower us to do that. And I'm going to actually give an opportunity right now if there's anybody that may have come to church here tonight and you're feeling like you're not really connected to God, that you're not really officially, honest to goodness, 100% sure that you are a Christian in your heart of hearts, but you want to make that thing, you want to make that decision here tonight. You want to make that a reality right here tonight. Well, I'm going to get, offer you an opportunity right now to come into that amazing relationship with the God in heaven who created you and who loves you and just wants to know you and wants to have you as part of his family to bless you, to bring you into an eternal relationship with him. And if that's what you want to do and you're willing to take that step today, tonight, just to say, I want in the family of God. I want to be a Christian. I want to know it. And I want to feel God at work in my life. If that's what you'd like to do, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to say a prayer with you in a minute here. I'm going to say the words out loud. I'm not going to embarrass you and make you pray them out loud in front of everybody else. But I do know that God judges us off our hearts. And I pray that if you would join me in the words I'm going to say out loud, that you would pray it in your heart of hearts to God, that he will hear you. He will honor that decision, 
and he will change your life from this day forward. After the prayer, you can go and confess to other people with your mouth and tell people, hey, I'm a Christian. I pray that prayer. But right now, it's a hard issue. And so I want to lead you in a prayer. If there's anybody here tonight that would just be willing to make that statement, just, you know, to God, God, I want to follow you. I want to be in your family. I'll follow you all the days of my life from here on out. If that's you, I'm going to pray that prayer in a minute, but I want you to let me know that you're going to pray with me. And the way you're going to do that is I'm going to count to three. The people around you, their eyes are closed, their heads are bowed. But when I count to three, I'm just going to ask if you want to make this prayer the prayer of your heart, you would just raise your hand to let me know who I'm praying with if there's anybody here tonight because I will be so privileged to be able to pray this prayer with you. If that's you, on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand and let me know that we're going to pray together. Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Good. I see one hand right here. Keep them up. I see two people. Praise God. I see two hands in the audience tonight. Thank you, Lord, for those hands and those hearts. I'm looking around. If God's moving on you right now, don't hold back. This is the best decision you'll ever make. I promise that. Anybody else? All right. Those two people that raise their hands, go ahead and put them down. Join me in this prayer in your heart to God. God, I'm here tonight, and I realize that I need you. In fact, I want you, Lord. I'm tired of living this life on my own, and maybe I know about you, but I'm not really living for you. Lord, I realize that this prayer I'm praying right now isn't the thing that's going to really, really say I'm a Christian. All it is is the seed being planted, Lord, that I'm going to continue from this day forward to hold on to this decision that I make. Lord, that I'm going to walk out my faith. I'm going to live it out. Lord, I'm going to live for you. Lord, I want to pray right now and just make sure that I start this relationship. And so, Lord, what I'm saying right now is I believe in you. I believe that you're bigger, better, smarter, greater than me, and I want to follow your ways. Lord, I'm tired of living for myself in this world. Lord, I turn away. I repent of that. And this moment on, I live for you. Lord, I believe that your son Jesus died on that cross for me to pay the price for all of my sins, which is just not doing things your way. And so, Lord, I accept the price, the price that he paid. Lord, and I accept the forgiveness and the love and the grace and the mercy and the payment that he paid for my life, Lord. Lord, I understand that he conquered death on the third day he rose again. Lord, he defeated death and sin in my life. So, Lord, from, from now on, I'm forever grateful and I will follow you. Lord, I promise to take hold of everything that you have for me, to read my Bible, to pray, to talk to you. Lord, to get baptized, to tell the world this commitment that I'm making to you in my heart of hearts right now. Lord, I want to be filled and empowered and baptized with the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, so I can walk in power and in the miraculous. Lord, I want all that you have for me. I promise you from this day forward, I will live my life for you. Thank you for loving me, for accepting me, for calling me your child starting right now, this Saturday night. I give you praise and glory. In Jesus' mighty name, the church said, amen. And we praise God for two people that raise their hands tonight. Don't we praise God?